Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do, thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's it'll fine. be fine, yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. There we are, Anthony. Oh, you've got all uh, the accoutrements, haven't you? Hey, I've been I've been spending a bit of money. Have you? Now what that is? That is. The, it's a clone made by a man in Chile right. of um, a Sony microphone, a C800G, which were all the rage at one point for making records with. Um, right. They're about, I mean, you can they don't make them anymore, but you can see them listed on eBay for 10,000 quid. Um, so they're stupid money. And when I first went, went round to Trevor's to sing um, Ashes to Ashes and all of that. He had me on one of those. He just happened to have it in the basement. Um, and I found this geezer in uh, that I've already, already know about called Stam, Joshua Stam, and he's in Chile. And he makes replicas of um, compressors and microphones, valve stuff. Um and I saw, I mean, you never know how completely trustworthy these things are, but I, I did see a video up of him, of a shootout between his and the real thing. Um, he'd, got a, he'd got a Sony C800J up, upside down, you know, and this girl singing into both. And he was, he was going from one to the other, A, B, and, and there was no difference whatsoever. Um, and I thought, ooh. And this was, I got this for $1,500 right. plus the 300 quid that the dodgy sods at customs charged at Stansted to let it in. So an utter fraction of what you'd pay for. So if, is that the equivalent of going to Poland to have your teeth done? It sort of is, really. Yeah, that's exactly right. it. It's the equivalent of, of getting your tits lifted in Brazil. Right. And God knows we all have. Yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> who who can honestly say? Who can honestly say? <laughs> they haven't enjoyed a little lift in Brazil. But no one escapes. Um so there we are. So what's yeah. it there for? Well, it's just being evaluated. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Oh. I'm evaluating oh. it in case I get the urge. Right, okay. Well, I might You're thinking you might get the urge. Uh, yeah, I often do. Right. Um so, yeah, so I might, it's curious, isn't it? Because it's got this big... Well, I've taken a screenshot. Yeah, it's got a big thing uh, on the back. Which I, I think I think we need to share, really. It's a monstrous heat sink. It's one hell of a heat sink. It's, yeah. Is that what the Sony looks like as well? Because it looks a little bit... Absolutely it, the same, yeah. Right, okay. It's a replica. Right, because it's got a slight sort of, you know, tacked on kind of vibe, hasn't it? Yeah, like um, a prototype. 
like a prototype thing, like something they've stuck on. I think there's a valve in this lump here. Right. As, <laughs> as he caresses his lump. It is. It is like talking talking to Sid James talking to you. <laughs> You're just relentless. What? Wow. I think that's outrageous. <laughs> I'm, an, oh. I'm an educated man, I, you know. <laughs> you certainly have been, mostly by carry-on films. <laughs> Actually, we've we've just signed up for ITVX and all the carry-on films are on there and I did think about you when I saw that. <laughs> Don't lose your head. Yeah, he's, oh, they're all there. Yeah. They're all there. No, there are some great lines. I think that's our next podcast project. <laughs> What's that? The history of the carry-on films. I think we should watch a different one every week. Right, and then meet up and have a chat. And meet up and have a chat about, about it. Our favourite moments. Yeah, because I think that'll really translate. The Dutch are going to love that. Yeah, my favourite moment in uh, Carry On, Don't Lose Your Head is when um, Kenneth Williams, who... Oh. Uh, is 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 he? Um, he's agent. Le Grand Fromage, isn't he's he? A, agent Camembert or something. Yeah, he's called. Yeah. And he says to Sid James, who is the uh, who is the black fingernail, who is in disguise at this point as a woman, and Sid James dressed up as a woman is a sight to behold. Oh. Um, and he says to uh, Sid James, "I want the black fingernail." And he hits his finger with a hammer, and he goes, "There you go." <laughs> Great moment. It's it's classic, isn't it? <laughs> how that didn't, how, how they weren't all in Hollywood for the Oscars that year is 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 beyond comprehension, isn't it? Well, yes, frankly, wouldn't yes. that have been beautiful if the entire Carry On team had gone to the Oscars? <laughs> yeah, this should have won an Oscar for one of them. Mm, this should. Yeah. This should. Should we keep all this in then? Yeah. Yeah, we might as well. Don't we? yeah, Do you yeah, want to start properly? Yes. Yeah, shall, shall we? All right, mate. Oh, sorry, are you, you ready? haven't done are, the... Are you, are, you, are you centred? You haven't done the intro, have you? No, well, are you centred? Are you ready? You just edit it on the front. I mean... Well, no, I might are. as well do it live. I'm feeling I'm feeling frisky. I'll, I'll, I'll go for it. I've, I've not, I'm not centred, but I have slumped into <laughs> position. Yours is a slumping kind of chair, isn't it? <laughs> All my chairs are slumping. Kind <laughs> slumping of chairs. kind of chairs. There's no, there's no ergonomics to that particular chair, is there? I could slump on a tree branch, mate. <laughs> and there's the episode title. <laughs> it's there already. I could slump on a tree branch. That's what we want. I could. Mm, I love that chair. I used to have a chair like that. I think the chair's amazing. Yes, it's a captain's chair. It's a captain's chair. Uh, right, you, re- you ready then? Anthony, what's a pirate's favourite letter? Arr. No, tis the sea they love. Oh, there we oh. are. The secret, timing, everything, beautiful. Right, are you ready? Yes. Go on then, right. Hello and welcome to chapter 145 of the Corona Diaries. Arr. It is 145, isn't it? It is, yes. You're absolutely on the... Uh... On the digits there. On the digits. Um, I've lost all track of where we're up to, really. I'm not surprised. It's been a bit, isn't it's, it? All over the place. Oh, darling. It's Monday, isn't it? It is Monday. We were supposed to record on Friday. We were supposed to do some Q&A on Friday, but you had a. You must have had a shocker. Oh, God, didn't I do that? 
I did have a shocker on Friday because uh, I had to pop into Vibes' school and have a chat oh, okay. full of the teachers. And then at the other end, that it was uh, parents' evening as well, at, at right. five in the evening. So I had to go to the school twice and then fit the studio in between. So I mm. was running around like a nutter. Because the school mm. is not round the corner. It's a good sort of 40-minute drive. It's a well. schlep. It is. So it is. So it is. Yeah, so we, have, so we need to try and fit that in at some point because we've, we've got to do... I mean, it's all right. We've got the questions. That's fine. But we've got to do Januarys and Februarys at some point, haven't we? We're, a bit, we're running a bit behind Purples. We do know Ooh. we're running behind. We are aware of it. We're not going to mention him, are we? We're not no, 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 but no, we, no, he, no. He'll be on our case. If no, 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 no. That's all. That's all in the past. We need to run a tight ship. We do need to run a tight ship. Everything's coming back to pirates this morning. Yes, I'm, I'm we are sentient. We're, we're well aware of these things. Yes, sentient. Mm. Mm. That's well, right word. It's right context, isn't it? Sedentary, I think. Would be well, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a posh word for slump, isn't it? <laughs> That's another episode title. <laughs> yeah. Sedentary is a posh word for slump. It is. It is. Mm. But we're not. We're sentient. We're sentient. We, we are. are sentient. We've got. You've got our finger in the breeze. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing with your finger then? It was in the breeze, man. Right. One of these weeks, I'm just going to release because obviously I record the Zoom. Well, obviously people won't know this. I record the Zoom call, and the reason why I record the Zoom call is because we used to clap. Oh, we used to we? clap to give ourselves a sync, didn't we? Oh God, yeah. Oh, we're beyond all that now. We? Well beyond we're all that. We're too pro. Anyway, far, far I, too pro. I, I used to find if I lined the claps up, we were a mile out. <laughs> yeah, we were. So it wasn't much use anyway. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was quite. It was quite. Comical. <laughs> it, was, um, it was a ritual. It was a ritual. Um, it was a, it became a crutch, I think. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, but now what we do is we record the audio on the Zoom call and we use that to sync the other bits of audio together. So it should be roughly in the right sort of place. But what it means is I've got your video. I've always got the video of you recording these calls, doing exactly that. Right. And I'm wondering about releasing that. <laughs> No audio, just you, maybe with the Benny Hill music underneath. <laughs> Pointing Str- to your heat sink as you were then. Stroking my heat sink. Stroking my heat Affectionately. sink. <laughs> That's a spinal tap song lyric, isn't it? There's a gag there, heat sink from Chile, isn't there? But there is a gag, yes, you know, there is. The, the heat did, sink. did you actually get to know this fella then? Joshua Stamp. No! <laughs> No, I've, I've, although I have dealt with him, I've swapped emails with him. Right. And uh, he builds rep, replica, high-end replica gear. Mm. Um, and um, he's thoroughly recommended for anyone looking for a bit of high-end gear that, um, you know, that is insanely expensive. Mm. Um, Joshua will bang you something together, which sounds a bit slapdash. I'm sure he isn't slapdash. Um but he 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 uses the very finest components, um, the same components wherever possible uh, as as what's in the um, the high end stuff he's mm. replicating. Mm. Uh, mm. So you know, for instance, he's making. Um, I've got an order in as well for a, a Neumann U forty seven. Ooh! Now that's not a submarine. 
No. That's although that would be cool, wouldn't it? Putting a banging an order in for a U boat. Um, but um, it's a mic, and um, he's making one of those, and they're extremely sought after. And I normally use one of those uh, for the proper singing on the albums. Mike Mike Hunter hires one in from Studio Care, Care. Care. in Liverpool. In Liverpool, who we must plug because they're lovely people. Richard and Rich, fantastic people. Yeah, lovely. So we we uh, we go to Studio Care first normally for our stuff. Um. I should probably plug Funky Junk as well because that's run by my old manager, Mark Thompson. Mm. I think he owns that. So I should give him a plug after all the grief we've given him. Um, but, yes, we tend to go to Studio Care and hire their U47, which um, is a damn sight cheaper than trying to buy one because they're, mm. they're vintage and they're very rare and you can spend tens of thousands on one of those and then having done so you might not get a good one because no. they're old you know you might spend all that money and find that you've it, it, it's just not quite right you've got a Hillman imp <laughs> exactly mm. you can tell because you've got the video on can't you <laughs> you can see that I can from, see that from, you can see it from Heckman Dwight I bet Michael Caine must have driven a Hillman Imp in the day at some point. Yeah, he probably did. Yeah. Yeah, with a blonde on the passenger seat. Yeah. So where were we? Yes, you fell on making you much. So he's making you a U47. Is this an end of a tax year thing then? Well. You normally buy something as it gets well, towards the point where you've got to declare your... Yeah, you've got to, your buy, wealth. You've got to buy musical gear really at this point mm. or, or give said money to tax man. To spend on, uh, well, let's not start. But what, no. what are the government spending our money on? Discuss wallpaper and PPE that doesn't work. And and yachts, if if you're Michelle Man. But anyway, we'll leave that one there. Yes, let's just leave it. Let's not go there. Let's, let's not go just there. Leave the so underwear heiress where she should be, have been left. Yes. <laughs> um. So you're buying up instruments now because it's getting towards the tax year. You're doing um, the council equivalent of digging the road up. I am. I'm exactly doing that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm the council equivalent of, of used to be budget up. Um so I'm I'm yeah, I've ordered one of Joshua's U forty sevens because he's gonna make one of those and they're they're fabulous by all accounts as well. So this is a massive plug for uh, Stam Audio. Check them out. And are you going to AB it then against the one that you normally hire in when it when you get it? You are, aren't you? I can tell. Well, we could, couldn't we? We could hire mm. Mike. Could hire the the studio. Mine. We they know now. They probably won't let us have it now in case we prefer mine. Yeah, but, but there's other places where you can go that we haven't plugged. Oh, other. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll certainly I'll certainly take take this one in and let you know and holler into it for Mike. At some point soon, so he can have a listen, and then um, yeah, once the once the U boat shows in uh, territorial waters, um, if we can get it through customs at Stansted because they're not the fastest or cheapest, um, then um, we'll evaluate that as well. Yeah. So 
could be quite a good year for microphones. To- totally randomly, mm. have you ever been on a submarine? I've been there was a little submarine moored in uh, on the River Mersey in um, in Birkenhead, and you could go across. Uh, you know, in Jerry the pacemaker style, you could go across on the ferry from the pierhead. Uh, and I think it was in Wallasey. Oh, yes, yes. I went to the trouble of going and I went on the submarine, which was permanently moored there and you could go on it. But that's the only one I've ever been on. Right. You've not been on one of these kind of, you know, proper ones? No, I haven't got any mates. Uh, I don't think they allow you on proper ones, do they? Well, not the nuclear ones. Not the new ones, no. They're, they're, all, no. they're all properly top secret, aren't they? There's one in the US, in Portsmouth in the US. Uh, oh, I can't remember if Portsmouth's Maine or New Hampshire. I think it's just New Hampshire. Uh, and I'm sure there's one there you can go in. But it'll be it's an older one. Um, but it's, it's a big old thing. Yeah, well, no, I'd like it. I mean, there must be, even if you're not claustrophobic, it must be a strange feeling mm. to be deep under the ocean in a blinking lead tube. Or whatever mm. they're made out of steel. Whatever. And it's almost are. it's not voyeuristic is the wrong word, but it, but you are you're just creeping about, aren't you? Yeah. You're creeping really? about. Yeah. You're creeping, creeping about, about in in a potential you know, it's I mean, being buried alive is a terrible notion, but but being kind of drowned deep underwater. In a tube is 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 a similar sort of buried mm. alive kind of thing, isn't it? It's a scary, scary prospect. I'm kind of fascinated by it, but I don't think I could do it. I certainly couldn't. Do it. I mean, those poor sods. They're, they're, I mean, the one the the guys in the nuclear submarines are usually away for months, mm. and it's all classified, so they can't communicate with their families. Their families don't know where they are. They're not allowed to say. Um, they just vanish and, you know, and come back months and months later and go, oh, hello, remember me? Must make it quite difficult for family life or then downright impossible. Worse than rock and roll. Yeah, because you, you won't have any contact. I know say no contact with the outside world, but I was thinking then... There's no TV. There's no. There's there's no news. There's no. There's there's nothing to anchor you, to even the year that you're living in. No, you you. you they must all go mad. Mm. I bet they do. You know, a lot. How many of fights there are, and how many? You know, they they all blow up at each other. And well, there was that series on, wasn't there? Did you see any of those? That detective thing about oh, Vigil. I did. I, I did watch it. it. Thoroughly yeah. enjoyed it, actually. Yeah, cause that that was quite well done, wasn't it? Mm. I mean, I'm sure I if, if you that's Boots, the... the one, isn't it? That's the one you. That's very claustrophobic, isn't mm. it? That was old uh, Herbert Gronemeyer, wasn't it? He once um, he once cleared out of a studio to let us in. He was very nice. Wow. Because he was um, a kind of music star in Germany, as well as starring in Das Boot. So he, he was quite a big-selling artist. I think he was on EMI in Germany. Right. And he Herbert. cleared out of a studio for you? Yeah, because we, we needed the time. And I th- Where was he? He might have been in Rockfield or some, somewhere when we were going to mix Cannibal Surf Babe. 
and I think he pulled out of there to let us dive in and, and mix that, which is very, very sweet. And then... Of people that are big in Germany, you would have preferred that to happen to. David Hasselhoff is probably the one. Much better if you could have kicked him out of the studio. The Hoff. The Hoff. <laughs> he might have been in a Hoff. Had the Hoff in a Hoff. <laughs> enough is enough. <laughs> but then you see, I like the way that the Hoff's kind of created this this personality, which he obviously just you know takes the piss out of essentially now, which is quite nice. You could do that. <laughs> what do you mean? I could do that. <laughs> I've been doing it for 145 episodes. <laughs> Well, maybe we need to move it on in a partridge style. Maybe the Corona Diaries should be a movie. There should be a movie adaptation of the Corona Diaries. God, your grandeur knows no bounds. Not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. No one can say you're not ambitious. I'm not held back by modesty. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. And never will be. And never will be. Um. Something else struck me this week, because we're obviously, if you've not gathered already, folks, we're not doing a Sounds That Can't Be Made. We've had, we've had a few episodes. We're, having, we're just having a breather. Is that what's happened? That's what's happened. It we're just having a quick breather. It my mind at one point during the long talk about the submarines. <laughs> we weren't getting anywhere close to Sounds That Can't Be Made. Now, I thought we'd, as we've got two Q&As to do and we've got loads of questions to get through, I thought, do you know what, let's just have a break. Right. Let's regroup a little bit. Um, and, and there were a few things floating around that were interesting. One thing, actually, that did come in the questions for Sounds That Can't Be Made, but I can ask it anyway without it referencing I'm, the album necessarily. I'm is, thinking of Sonar now, Sounds That Can't Be Made. I've got the old boop, boop thing. The underwater voids from the bottom of the sea sound. Right. Sorry, right. what were you saying? Well, here's the link, though. Sonar was yeah. actually a music, a piece of music software. <laughs> I say. It's just, it's all I, interweaved, isn't it? It is. I don't think I ever got my hands on that. No, no. It, it was, uh, yes, that was another piece of PC recording software in the day, Sona. Anyway, yeah. what I was going to say was, question that came in but doesn't have to be a sounds question, when did you start using Real World for the first time and what what actually took you there? And I'll find the name of the person who asked the question to, to give him a name check at some point in the future. But Gosh. when did that start? Gosh, gosh, gosh. That might have been sounds that can't be made. That might have been the first time we went in there as a band. I was down there not long after Peter got it finished. And I went up there one evening with Sandy Stewart, the Texan songwriter, who who, uh, I was collaborating with. At the time, that sounds dodgy, but it wasn't dodgy. It was it was uh, professional. No, it wasn't professional either, but it was it it was a collaboration, and uh, we we just sort of became chums. And and me and uh, Sandy and her guitarist David, we we went down to Real World to have a look round, and that was back in the old days when Peter had his writing room on the balcony in what is now the sort of the the recording area the live recording area uh, the bit that isn't the control room uh and i went and had a look at it back then one evening when nobody was there they let us in to have a look around but the first time i went in there to work 
was with the with Marillion for sure, and I think that I don't don't think we'd ever been in there before. Um, sounds that can't be made. I've got an enduring memory every time we play that song of Pete Travers. Uh, so there, there's some like little steps that go up to a slightly more raised area in the control room where we it's a massive control room it's like a cathedral um, and we had the drums and the raised area and Pete was standing just by these two steps that go up to that playing uh, playing his bass on sounds that can't be made while we were putting it down and it was just joyous watching him uh, lost in the music and I can still see that when when we play mm. it, I get I get a little flashbacks to Pete with his head back in a in a little state of grace, thumping through sounds that can't be made, enjoying himself. It's it's quite lovely. And was he on top of the little steps? I'm trying to remember, he was either just just up and more just down him. There was only a couple of steps, but I can mm. I can see You've this, got him. this You've got place, him. yeah, and I can mm. see I can see him with his his Warwick bass around his neck. Um, and his head back, just in his own in his own world, banging through the bass for that. It was it was a lovely sight. He's a great mm. musician. He's not necessarily a gear junkie, is he? He's he's never had, you know, he's using a lot of the instruments he's had for years, isn't he? <laughs> he's too tight. I was going to say, is I'm he a bit sorry, tight? It's rotten to say that, but he is too tight to buy anything. Um, no, he's absolutely not a gear junkie, and he has to be hustled mercilessly into renewing anything. You go, Pete, get yourself a decent <laughs> bloody effects unit, man. And, oh, I don't know, they're very expensive, aren't they? They're blah, 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 and they're this and they're that. And, uh, he has to be... He, pon he ponders sometimes for years before buying anything. He'll go, do you know what? It's like... I'm thinking of buying myself a blah blah blah. And you go, you should. I guess yeah, yeah. And two years later, he's still sort of building up to it. Um, so he's not a man who just just splashes the cash willy nilly. Um, mm. But uh, I mean, if I was a bass player, I'd have so much gear. I'd have an Ampeg SVT in a heartbeat. Um, you know, and I'd have I'd have a couple of very juicy Fender Precisions, and I'd probably have a nice Rickenbacker as well. Rickenbacker, I knew you were going to say that. Got to be done, hasn't it? It's, it's got to be done. It's the law. It's got to be done. He's talk. He was talking about buying one. He's got an old Rickenbacker. He's got. I think he's got two old black Rickenbackers that look like they've been used for dredging. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and then he's got... mixing, mixing water on the back of one, <laughs> dragging along the, a riverbed <laughs> with a chain. Uh, they look like they've done that. They're all kind of, you know, massively grazed and rusty. Um, and then he's got he's got that big wire proper prog double neck with the mm. the bass and the uh, and the twelve string that won't yeah. won't stay in tune for a lot more money. Um that weighs about as much as a, a dining table. It's like strapping a dining table around your neck and <laughs> whatever he puts it on, 
we kind of have to get stuck in straight away because you can't you can't stand about with it on you slowly <laughs> sink into the ground. Um, so he's got one of those, and he, he was he was playing it in the studio last week because we were doing a few words for the dead, and um, he was saying, "Oh, he said this bass sounds great. I'm, I'd like a you know just a proper one of these." And I'm thinking, "Well, what's holding your back? Mm. Get stuck in." Mm. You know, but anyway. he's a bit tight. Yeah, and he pontificates. I love the I love the idea of Pete the pontificator. <laughs> Sounds like the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> well, when the white Tw- smoke goes up, twelfth century Pope Pete the pontificator, the third. We're not going to come up with papal names for all the band, are we? We on the back of cereals that could be it's not the natural progression is it (laughs) I could see Mosley as it well he dressed up as the um, the Bishop Brennan for one of our for one of our photo shoots when we all did the Father Ted and I was Father Ted and Mosley was Bishop Brennan so I can certainly see him as some kind of cardinal Oh, there's a lot cardinal about Ian, isn't there? Yes, with the fag on. <laughs> and, the, yeah. and the shades. <laughs> and that, just that whiff of perhaps being, you know, being on the hotline to some massive uh, criminal outfit in Sicily all the time, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. You'd send him out to defend the Catholic Church, wouldn't you? Mm. Yes. And he'd come back with suitcases full of money. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go papal with the band. <laughs> Let's not go papal. Let's not go no. papal. No. Um, <laughs> and papal and purple. <laughs> no, 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 don't. Don't go there. I've got fish. I'm seeing things now, but I'm not going to go. Yeah, I, no. can't, I can't put them out there, what I'm seeing. No, right no, don't, 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 don't. Because, because when we do episodes like this, there's always a danger that we will be... Which one is it that when you say it, which mm. is libel and which is slander? Yeah. It's slander, isn't it, when you say it? Slanderous. Yes. Mm. The other thing I was going to say to you that I that I pondered on this morning. I went to play badminton on Friday night. Oh, did you? You went yes. to play badminton on Friday I went to play badminton on Friday night. In fact, right. it's the third Friday on the spin that I've been to play badminton. And when I was, when I was a kid, I played football and, and cricket. But then I got to a point with football where I didn't like getting kicked. Hmm. Um, I, I decided it was actually quite violent, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't worth the hassle. So I started playing. I took up racket sports. So I played hmm. tennis and I played badminton. Hmm. And Josh is doing badminton as his individual for his, G, his uh, GCSE, his PEGCSE. Hmm. So we've been playing badminton and evening. What what sports have you played? And we know you waft a cricket ra- back around for, um, for comic value, largely. I'm really not sporty at all. Um, even when you were a kid, back in yeah, Doncaster. Yeah, even when I was a kid. I mean, me and my mates used to kick about on the town fields of a weekend, all day long, really. You know, we'd be out there kicking a ball about. Um, so quite a lot of footy, but never never in a kind of organised 11 people in a team, I'm... proper huge goals kind of way. Um, obviously, I was forced against my will to play things like that as uh, at school um hated it i used to be i used to be in goal 
and I used to let everything in and everybody used to shout at me. So it wasn't pleasant. There was no possibility of, of, of even occasional heroism. It just wasn't an option. There was just shame and ridicule for un, until it was over. And then they made us play cricket. And I was so small back then when I was 11. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you know, not exactly six foot two now. But when I was 11, I was barely the, the height of a cricket bat. And so I, I, they gave me this thing that was the same height as me that I was supposed to try and hold somehow. Um, so I never really took to cricket terribly well because I was vertically challenged. Um, then they made display rugby. Um, and what was it you said? You got sick of being kicked. Yeah. I got sick of rugby day one, uh, moment one, really, for similar reasons. Uh, the the PE teacher, Robert, what was he called? Bruce. He was called somebody Bruce. He might have been Bob. He was Bob Bruce. Um, and he used to talk like that. All right, Hogarth. You're a big cream puff laddie, he used to say to me. You're a cream puff lad. Mm. I see. Oh, cheers, mate. <laughs> Which is obviously where the Ocean Cloud reference came from. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it was him. Um, so, uh, yeah, he put me in the scrum right at the front Ooh. Uh, as a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> Don't start. I'm not. Don't start. It's no, there's, I, I never there's nothing dreamt, to see here. I never dreamt that term. Um, anyway, they used to just basically stick their knees in your face when mm. you, you know, you used to get your eyes gouged out. Yeah, worst place to be. Yeah, he didn't like me, no. you know. And I'm not really built for that. He just put me in there because he didn't like me. Um, mm. And he knew I didn't like him. Um, yeah. No, I never got on with any of that, really. And you weren't a runner or anything, because you were, you know... The, the small <laughs> kids were normally quite quick, weren't they? No. no. Oh, yeah, they used to send us on cross-countries as well and all of that, and through the woods. And, of course, there was a there was a few. There was a select few that used to just sort of vanish into the trees, stand about until... the till the ones at the front had gone by on their way back and then sort of join in again. Join on at the end. Yeah, I was one of yeah, them. You were one of them. Right. Yeah, I've never had any sporting prowess at all. Um, I have played cricket uh, for the Village Idiots and the, they have a, at the end of the cricket season each year because they have cricket on the green all summer here um, and they take that quite seriously. But at the end of the season... They have a game um, for the locals, where the locals form teams. And it's all very light-hearted and casual, and the ladies make sandwiches and whatnot for, for, for half-time, uh, or whatever, half-time. You call, whatever you call it in cricket. <laughs> half-time will do. It's fine. And I've, I've, I've participated in that, Um but I injured myself every single year that I participated in. I'd either catch a ball on the shins um, when I was fielding. I This ball hit my shin one year. I think it was the first year I got involved in it, and my shin came up like a bloody grapefruit. Mm. Um, 
And then uh, another year, I did my um, I did my shoulder in bowling. Um, I got a bit overexcited, and uh, my shoulder hurt for about six months after that. Mm. So it's uh, you're not wired for it, are you? I'm not. I'm not on a cellular level. I'm all wrong for sport. Yeah. I. I quite like watching match of the day. That's as close as I ever get to sporting prowess. Is football the only thing you really watch? You like the Olympics as well, don't you? There was a pole vaulter once, but I think I think I was looking at her for the wrong reason. I'm sure you were. Apart from that, no, I'm not really bothered. Not really. I, I like right, the so... opening ceremony. <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> And, and, and like, a little bit of football match a lot. I like the fireworks. Because right. <laughs> I went with my dad last year to watch the to watch a one day uh, Yorkshire play a one day game in Scarborough, which absolutely lovely with the with the sea just being across the way, and it's a fantastic uh, ground in Scarborough. So mm. you're not you're not up for a you're not up for a midsummer jaunt over to Scarborough to watch the cricket then? No, no. I once went and um, I was once I once went with my mate David Sampson and his dad. To what's the one in Leeds? Is that Alan Rowe? Headingley. Headingley and Leeds. If it's cricket, it's Headingley. If it's football, yeah. It's and Freddie Truman was bowling. It was all of that. It was proper, proper. Well, Jeffrey Boycott might have been batting. Legendary stuff. I've never been so bored in my <laughs> life, or so uncomfortable, so thirsty, so in need of an ice cream and a sandwich that you know. I knew it was coming at some point, but you know, waited hours and hours for watching. Not a lot going on, in in my head at least. And uh, whilst David's dad was wrapped with interest, um, and and distracted, you know, while we were just going, any chance of an ice cream? I'm hungry. Can I have a sandwich? Mm. Um, and he wasn't, he wasn't interested. So that kind of put me off watching cricket forever, really, that one day. And I've been and seen football live on the odd occasion. I've been been invited up to Old Trafford by, um, by Adam, um, by my good friend Adam. I'm trying to think of his second name. It'll come to me. Um, and um, that's... That's always amazing, quite a privilege to slide into Old Trafford. Um, and actually, there's a, um, it's not this week's diary reading, but next week's diary reading. I was reading uh, this morning and we were in uh, Nuremberg or Nuremberg or whatever you choose to call it. And we were invited with Deep Purple and we were invited across the way to watch... Uh, the football there's a there's a stadium um and we we went over there and saw a bit of the match and walked on the pitch and everything at the end not not in public but after everyone had gone home we were invited to have a does anybody want to see the pitch well, yeah so we were on the pitch that was quite a privilege um they won't let me on the pitch at old trafford for some reason um they're very very careful about mm. that. Mm. Very careful with their turf. Mm. Um, so, um, yeah, I watch a bit of footy, but 
I'm really not sporty. There's a part of me that wishes I was, and I've felt inadequate my whole life for not being sporty. That's interesting. But I just don't have the the drive to do it. Yeah. And I hear people talking about running and doing this many K. Oh, yes. I've just done 10K. And I just want to slap them. Okay. Um, so... Okay. Well, keep, let's leave it there. Just, keep, just keep on the your edge running of distances to yourself. I, I, I will do. I will do, and I'll, I'll leave you just on the edge of violence. And we'll, we'll go off for a bit of diary. We're going to Munich, aren't we? I tell you, who does run with great aplomb, and that's uh, Mr. Special K, of course. He's, he does. He, he does. takes his running extremely seriously. It's a butcher's dog mm. because of it, obviously. And he runs every morning. You know, when we're on tour, he gets off the bus and goes running. And doesn't doesn't you know? And then you see him about an hour later, all covered in sweat with all his veins sticking out. Mm. And you think, wow, that looks like it's done you the world a good sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't say that. No, don't say that. <laughs> don't don't say that to somebody when they've just come back off a run. Yeah, that's on those occasions where he comes back and isn't in A and E, of course, having bounced off a vehicle. Mm. Well, at least he's bouncing off them. Yes, yes. At least he's bouncing off them. Right, Munich, I think. Am I right, Munich? Yes, this is a good one. This was a good one. It was a really good day and a really good gig that followed it. So, here it comes. Friday, 19th of November, Munich. Awoke to discover the distinctive BMW building, like an upside-down rocket, or four towers of cans, depending on your point of view, across the ring road on a rainy grey day. We are parked outside tonight's gig, the Munich Olympia Halle. Made my way inside. It's a fabulous hall, probably holds 10,000 people or more. Had coffee and washed. Asked Frenchie if there's any chance of someone running me into town, and after a few delays and false starts, we couldn't find each other, this place is big, I climbed into a minibus with Carl, the runner, who was very talkative in a good way. He told me that everyone he's met over the years were, without exception, very nice people. That 50 cent, he's such a nice guy. I tell you honestly, I would take him home to meet my mother. Alice Cooper, also a very nice man, etc. Carl drove me round Munich, showing me the sights and giving me insights into its history. Here is the law court, built by the Nazis. Everything here is deliberately built on a large scale to make you feel small when you go inside. The doors, the ceilings, even the sinks in the washrooms and the taps are huge to intimidate you. Today, this town is the fucking capital of the cops. If you lose your laptop, you would probably get it back same day. My best and dearest friend is my lawyer. A wonderful man. In this town, believe me, you need a good lawyer. We arrived in the centre of town and Carl dropped me next to a small market where I wandered around and bought traditional Christmas decorations. This Christmas will be our first in our cottage on the village green, 
and I'm looking forward to seeing the place trimmed up with the decks from all over Europe which I've collected touring across the years. Yeah. I took a cab back to the Olympia Halle. It was driven by an Indian guy who enthused about Deep Purple all the way there. Ah, the 70s, now that was a time for music. Deep Purple, fantastic. Not like today, all this clockwork stuff. No expression in anything anymore. Back inside the gig, I was interviewed by a journalism student called Robert, who gave me quite a thorough grilling about what it's like to get old in a rock and roll band. He kept asking why we haven't split up, and I kept trying to give him an adequate answer. I said that the best thing to do is to die young, really. Unfortunately for me, that is no longer an option. These journalists think that stars owe the world a legend at any price. The fact is, we all have families, mothers, fathers, partners, children, and a mind, body and soul to try and look after, as well as our music. We ignore these facts at our peril, and more often than not, at our self-destruction. There was a time when I wanted to be a star. I walk out on these big stages and I feel I could hold my own up against the best of them. But we simply never had the hits, and so it hasn't happened to me. I have a good life, and I don't get bugged by idiots on the streets. I don't feel the need for a limo to get me to the shops, or a private jet to get me from show to show, or home every night like you too. We make the music we want to make, when we want to make it, and I'm free. It could be worse. We also have the best fans of any band many of whom I would be happy to relax and have a drink with. Anyway, I digress. Soundcheck was bloody fantastic. This hall has a perfect acoustic for rock and roll, and I could tell from the stage that the sound out front would be great. I went and had my customary hour on the shelf before returning to the Olympia Halle and our dressing room. Said hi to Lucy, who's flown in today. As we were getting ready, Roger Glover appeared in our dressing room to wish us luck. He looked me straight in the eye and said, You can sing, man. Thanks, Roger. He also told us two jokes. Here we go. A rock and roll manager is buried up to his chin in sand in the desert. What is wrong? Answer, not enough sand. And, joke two, how do you know when an agent is lying? Answer, he walks into the room and says hello. Frenchie later told us that Deep Purple had asked if we'd be up for a photograph with them before they go on stage tonight. We're slowly getting to know everyone in band and crew. Showtime. It was a cracker. My sound was terrific and the band played really well on that line where control meets edge. During the later part of Cover My Eyes, all the PA died. I simultaneously thought, oh no, and hallelujah. Accidents like this can often lift a crowd, depending on how the band reacts to it, and how long the power stays off. I raised a glass to the crowd, shrugged my shoulders and grinned. The PA was soon restored, and from then on they were on our side. We left the stage at the end to widespread cheering across this huge hall. Lovely. I was wet with sweat once again. It's good to sweat again. I changed my shirt for the photograph with Deep Purple. Finally met Ian Gillen, who made a beeline to shake my hand, and Steve Morse, who I've never met either. 
as Guitar Tech tells me he fixes jet engines in his spare time. Apparently he's restoring a MIG fighter at home. There are certainly some characters in rock and roll. I feel somewhat unimpressive by comparison. Perhaps I should start work on a suspension bridge or build a rocket on the village green. Went out to the mixing desk to watch Deep Purple's show. The sound was great tonight and they were going down phenomenally with the crowd. Caught most of the show before being pulled away. I would have liked to have had a beer with Jörg Becker, but it wasn't to be. And we're back. Ah. And it is a nice little uh, little entry, that, isn't it? It is, yeah. It was a really interesting day, what with Carl the Runner telling me about all the people he'd, he'd driven. No, because, as I've said before, whenever I'm in a vehicle with somebody who drives a vehicle in rock and roll, I always say, who have you driven then? What were they like? And... Uh, He'd driven all sorts of people. He'd driven Cher and he'd driven the Stones and he'd driven, um, as he said, 50 Cent. Um, in fact, what I didn't say in the diary was that he took 50 Cent into Munich to buy some um, trainers, I think in the Nike store. And he went with him, and they went out. They went out this big sports shop, and they went up the escalator to the the shoe department. And from floor to ceiling in the shoe department is this massive poster of Fifty Cent, who was sponsoring this particular shoes that he was going in to get a pair of. Um. So instead of phoning Nike up and going, "Hello, send us a pair of shoes over, will you?" Um, he decided to go and buy them. Maybe that was quicker or something. And um, so he sat down and this German shop assistant came and he tried. He went, went and got them for him and he tried them on. <laughs> I mean, and 50 Cent is this enormous geezer. He's not, he doesn't just look like a bloke. He looks like 50 Cent. And uh, so he tried these shoes on. In front of this enormous, like, 30-foot poster of himself. And this shop assistant didn't realise at any point that it was him. And uh, and then and then he paid for them and left without ever saying, do you know who I am? Or, you know, shouldn't these be free? Or any of that. Um, so, kudos to 50 Cent, who is uh, a modest and decent bloke by all accounts. Mm. We've we've had that story. Oh, have we? Well, I've told yeah, you. Yeah, but but um, but the thing because when I read the diary, I thought I'm sure we've spoken about this taxi driver before. Yeah, but I can't remember when. Oh, I must have just mentioned him because I've never really forgot that trip. It was great fun, you know. Mm. With him, I will take this man home to meet my mother. I thought <laughs> thought of <laughs> arriving home to your old mum with fifty cent. Um. And he was just saying how everybody he'd ever driven was really, really nice. And he'd driven all the big stars. And he said the only guy he didn't like was Mick Jagger. Uh, which is not to put a slur on Mick Jagger, just uh, maybe he was having a bad day with Carl. Mick was having a bad day. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Mick don't like Munich. No. Well, it is a funny sort of place, Munich, because of the, you know, 
the the National Socialists, mm. and um, you know it was sort of like the cradle of all of that, wasn't it? Really. Certainly, certainly down there, certainly mm. that neck of the woods. So it's a bit, st- yeah. And Carl was telling me about the, you know, when we went past the law courts, he was pointing out that they were deliberately designed for everything to be twice the size it ought to be, in order to intimidate you. Um, and make you feel uncomfortable and ill at ease. He, you know, he was pointing things out to me I never would have realised. Um, so I really enjoyed my little jaunt around Munich and being driven by Carl. He was hysterical. The other thing you mentioned in the diary is the fact that Steve Morse was repairing a MiG fighter. Yeah. Or renovating Un- a MiG fighter. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um he was he was renovating a MiG fighter and he was he was repairing the jet engines. So what a guy. That's that's impressive, isn't it? That's really seriously supermanish, isn't it? Oh yeah, you, you... I, I I do that and in my spare time I play guitar for Deep Purple. So what a guy. You must have to he must have to buy really big tubs of ice cream. Now you got me. Now why? Why would you want? Right. So when if you ever repair a bike, you yeah. get yourself an old ice cream tub just to put the things in while you're doing it, don't you? Oh, I see. But if yeah. it's a mig, if it's a fighter engine yeah. from a fighter jet, you're going to need a hell of a big plastic ice cream tub to put the bits in. Yeah, you'd need a kind of Victorian cast iron bath. Mm. Really, I think a, an ice cream tub's not going to do it, is it? You now, mean, I used to know where there was a Victorian cast iron bath going. Yes. Well, you, I don't want mine filling with jet parts. Thank you very much. It's hard enough to clean as it is. You're probably better with the, the slightly cheaper plastic one that you put in its place. Yes. Probably be better. Although, the, you know, the, the fluids probably affect the... Mine, they'd probably affect the enamel. So, yes. You might be better with a plastic one. I can't believe we're actually thinking about the fluids from a jet engine and whether they affect the enamel on a bath. You have to contemplate these things, don't you, when you when you're contemplating these things. Oh, I think you should. I think well, I mean I mean you be prepared. Baden Powell, he had it. it he had I mean it. we had a really nice time on that deep purple tour. There was they were a nice bunch of characters, all of them. It, any idea or any chance that something like that would happen again? Well, only if it was offered in our direction, I suppose. Mm. I mean, we'd be very reluctant to tour with most bands. You know, we first of all, most bands would be out of their mind to offer offer us an opening slot because we're so difficult and we need yeah. we're so demanding and we need so much. We need so many desk channels and. You know, we need a. You just hard work, aren't you? We're hard work, man. Um, so you've really got to want us <laughs> mm. if you're going to offer us a slot. And um, I don't know who. I mean, obviously, I mean it's a, a a bit of a case of that. I wouldn't want to be a member of a club that would have me as a member. Mm. <laughs> really, I think there's a bit of that. The the. The artists that I'd, I'd jump at the chance of opening for would never offer us in the first place because they'd feel we were wrong musically. And the, the bands that we'd be right musically for, we probably wouldn't want to do, really. Maybe, maybe you can support Peter Gabriel, but you can only play Accidental Man. 
Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. I think. Uh, would we? Could we support? Well, I guess we could. I guess that would work as a as an evening. This probably. Oh yeah, you could easily put a set list together that would that fair, would support <coughs> fair amount Peter. of cross pollination with the fans, and. This probably he's probably got a lot of fans who probably wouldn't listen to us, who'd see us and go, God, I didn't know this lot were like this. Mm. Um, so it would be it would be really useful. But I don't I don't think Peter would make us such an offer. No. Well if you are listening, Peter. You lovely man. <laughs> Diamond geezer that you are. You lovely man. They are prepared to clear their diaries. He is a lovely man. Should we, uh, should we call it a day? Yeah, let's call it a day. Let's I, call it a I've day. Got, I've got to go to the studio and howl. Mm. Howl, howl, howl. And, howl and scream. And, well, sit on a stool and wait. It's probably nearer the... Oh, you're going to go and slump in a different chair. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I will slump on a tarma drum throne for the... In fact, I've got a sore bottom. From <laughs> sitting on that bloody thing all day, right? There's there's something you didn't know. <laughs> no, no. Well, if you've got all the way to the end, you've been rewarded. There's your payback. There's your rectal reward. Mm, the rectal reward. There goes another title for the episode. <laughs> right. Well, I better let you shift chairs. Thank you very much. It'll be, be a great relief all round. I'll just move my inflatable cushion and uh, I'll see you soon, Anthony. I've got you sitting on a rubber ring now. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Little farty one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping you don't throw my After all, there's nothing they appear to say. It's not a game. It's simply fear that stops them being. Optimistic here 
Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production. <laughs>